This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. You're listening to Marketing Matters on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Welcome back. I'm Professor Americus Reed, a.k.a. the Hip Hop Prof. The empirical pimp. I'm legit with a logit. The militant poet. So act like you know it. This is, of course, Marketing Matters on Sirius XM's business radio channel 132. Barbara's out today, so you're riding shotgun with me, your boy, Americus Reed. Consider the program, this program, your training day. You have to ask yourself, when it comes to your marketing, are you a wolf or a sheep? Well, it's your boy, Detective Lonzo, at the helm. And, well, King Kong ain't got shit. On me. <laughs> I love that clip. All my friends always tell me, you know what, Americus, you remind me of Denzel Washington, except without the money, fame, talent, and good looks. But oh, what was I saying? All right. Uh, anyway, so uh, this is Marketing Matters, a show that proves that the difference between success and failure is your ability to STPM segment, target, position, and message to your customers. Marketing Matters airs live every Wednesday to five seven to uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we are replayed several times throughout the week. I'm happy to welcome our next guest to the program. This is Dean Macbeth, co-founder and managing partner, Shepard. Now, Dean is an award-winning strategist and a pioneer in using social media for brand building. From Old Spice to Nike Formula One to Domino's, his work is instantly recognizable in the ad industry and taught at many well-renowned communication schools. Welcome to the program, Dean. Thank you for having me. Super excited to have you here, sir. How are you doing? I'm very well. I'm not in drive type traffic, so excellent, I'm excellent. Good. Yeah, I'm traffic golden. traffic gets my blood pressure up, man. So I'm glad I'm glad you're nice and relaxed because I want to pick your brain. I want to get all your wisdom and insights from you. And the way I like to usually start, Dean, is to kind of give my listeners some context, some color around the backstory of my guests because I think oftentimes, you know, hearing the wonderful insights that they have, it's nice to have a kind of understanding of their particular trajectories, their paths to their passions that they have gone through to develop from where they've been to where they are now. So tell us a little bit about your backstory. Wow. Well, you know, I, I didn't uh, start out traditionally in marketing. I'm, you know, I'm the son of a, a, a former Navy SEAL, kind of wow. blue collar, <laughs> grew nice. up in uh, a Navy brat and uh, on the West Coast and, mm-hmm. you know, did, did a lot of things until I figured out, you know, I, I'm fairly decent. I'm a halfway decent uh, developer, mm-hmm. programmer way back in the day. Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, got in uh, got in a marketing department for Spiegel, Eddie Bauer, Newport News, if you even remember mm-hmm. Newport News yeah. as a company. Yeah. Um, and got dropped into a, uh, a call center and, and made friends in the marketing department. And then they said, hey, we've got all these spreadsheets. We've got this stuff. We've got Lotus uh, one, two, three. Can you, can you automate some stuff for me? And I oh, said, wow. yeah, I can, I can do that. And oh, then I, wow. I started to, uh, to crank on that stuff. And, and the VP of marketing said, Hey, hey you want to join marketing? <laughs> yeah, so, the VP so was like, of, I, I know talent when I see it. And this is some amazing, this is cutting edge stuff at that time, right? I mean, this is like, no one was doing this, right? Uh, it was when we converted over from Lotus to Excel. Remember wow. that, those days? I do remember um, that. I do. I used to use a program called Visical. Um, that was, uh, I think it was a, a Radio Shack product. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It was like, and it was just like, it was almost like that game Pong. It's like the first six, you know, spreadsheets were like so simplistic, right? So to have your ability to come in and use your developer programming background skills must have been pretty cool. Obviously, the uh, your colleague who wanted you to come over to marketing thought so, right? 
Well, it turned out I was pretty terrible at programming when I actually talked to other programmers, so <laughs> I, I had to figure out uh, uh, something else. So uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. I, I started to get fairly decent at marketing, and okay. so I came, came back from that. I did a lot of digital back in the early days. Wow. Uh, what were some of the things agents. that you learned? In, what were some of the early things, pardon the interruption, what were some of the early things that you learned in that in the early pioneering days of digital, you know, when you're putting those first uh, sort of empty footprints on a, on, on a or those footprints on an empty beach, I should say. What, what were some I of the mean, things that popped out? It was amazing uh, just to see the progression of marketing, how we, you know, we were using email, you know, as a, as a and we're still using a ton of email, mm -hmm, sadly, mm -hmm. but, but email as this primary mode for, for online marketing. And then, then they went, we have the ability to actually send to fax. And you're like, wow. <laughs> You can you can send from email to fax, amazing, um, and so you started to see that progression, and then mm -hmm. finally that everyone commoditized that and got sick of it, mm -hmm. um, and then the web came online, and we started to uh, to build sites and even get into e-commerce engines, and mm. um, uh, Eddie Bauer was actually one of the first e-commerce big sites on on the msn shopping mall so mm. i was part of that project way back oh wow in day. interesting um, and so just just started to keep and align myself to that because i knew there was something here and i knew there was something going mm -hmm. um, and then i fell into to agency life agency life that's very very cool uh tell us about the that that part when when what when you got sort of drawn into that world what sort of new perspectives did you or were you exposed to and sort of what what sort of were some of the passion points there in that area of your work? Uh, well, it was an, in, incredible to kind of see this, um, you know, when Brightcove was actually a, a bigger platform than YouTube. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and we yes. were working with sports clients at the time. And, oh. Oh, uh, you know, some friends of ours, we, we like to say we did the first Red Bull jump because we built a, a ski uh, ramp up on the top of the Silver Legacy oh. Casino in Reno. Oh, interesting. Uh, and had the jump happen, and then we put it on YouTube. And this was back when YouTube just launched. And so we, overnight, we're starting to see hits and hits and hits. And we're like, wow, okay, there's something going on. Three days later, there's a million views on the video. And we, we said, well, this is kind of where the future's gonna go. Gotcha, um, so you had the insight then, wow, that's incredible. And this was, a, this was for a Red Bull, this was a Red Bull commercial? It was, uh, no, it was just a regional activation. Um, for, gotcha. For Shane McConkey, uh, rest in peace, Shane. But oh. he was kind of one of the pioneers. Of, right. Um, you know, base jump, ski, ski to base jump. And, yep. Um, and so it was. You were starting to see the threads of where social media was going to go, mm -hmm. and the power and kind of the impact of it. Um, and then we, you know, I went into bigger ad agencies, and um, you know, still kept mining this philosophy, and was able to do on things like Old Spice and. And Nike and so forth. Tell us about some of your some of those those classic hits that you worked on, and, and, and a little bit of the backstory, the genesis of. Because one of the things that I and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Dean. One of the things that I sort of wonder about, because I, I don't know a lot about the agency side, is you know a lot of times I see really really interesting ads, like really beautifully done ads that are interesting and compelling to watch almost on their own as entertainment, but they don't really put me into a sales funnel, if you will. You know what I mean? It's like, it's very entertaining on its own, very well done. You know, might win a Clio award or whatever, 
but it's like I, I wonder often, you know, the input between the kind of the analytics piece that you were talking about earlier, but also marrying I'm going to get these customer insights and I'm going to build them into the activation of the actual creative. Is there sometimes a disconnect there or how, how do you manage that? Maybe you can talk about that in the context of some of these very cool examples that you've worked on uh, with either Old Spice or Nike or Formula One or whatever. Well, I mean, that was really the genesis. You know, what the other co-founder of the company, Dave Berg, and I were together at uh, Wyden and Kennedy. Mm. Um, and we sat maybe, you know, 30 feet from each other. He was working on Coke, and I was working on the Old Spice brand. And we started to, you know, get a lot of traction with what was happening with, you know, Isaiah Mustafa, i.e. the Old Spice guy. Mm-hmm. Just, people were tweeting about him and getting him on shows, and it was he was kind of becoming a, a meme in and of himself online. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And we were just tracking it. Like, we didn't have social analytics and listening and all the things that we have now. So uh, I had unfortunate interns that reported to me, and I just made them slug stuff in spreadsheets, <laughs> um, not knowing what we were going to really do with it. But, mm-hmm. but we ended up um, understanding that our target customer at that time, I mean, uh, you know, we, everyone has their one, right, or their, their handful, mm-hmm. but really realizing it was – six or seven groups of distinct guys and they oh, had wow. really unique behaviors online that were different than um, what we what were given to, to activate TV commercials. Interesting. And so that, uh-huh. that level of data and insight was kind of the genesis of let's get smarter about this and we kind of carried that philosophy to the point where we worked together again on Domino's Pizza um, and were able to cobble together media data, social analytics data, uh, you know, good old-fashioned uh, strategy, one-on-one, and, and ethnography, and, and we built these walls that kind of look like we were tracking serial killers. <laughs> Stuff all over them, and uh-huh. like red threads connected to things, and people are like, what on earth is this guy's doing? But we, <laughs> but we started to uh, really understand there were pockets of people who had different relationships with food and pizza as mm-hmm, a whole. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and all of those things kind of led to, hey, we have a business here. Let's let's uh, right. Let's let's get outside of cobbling this together and let's let's double down on it and and focus on what we kind of know as a blind spot for most marketers. Interesting. And so that I think what's brilliant about that, uh, Dean, is the idea that I love that analogy that you made. The kind of CSI analogy, right? It's like. In some senses, that's exactly what a really, really good marketer is doing. It's like they're going to go inside the black box. They're going to go inside the mind of the consumer. And it's interesting that you mentioned that. That's an amazing uh, statistic to me that, or uh, point of fact, factoid to me that there were six or seven underlying groups that kind of make up the appropriate persona, if you will, for the Old Spice sort of customer. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about that breakdown? What does that look like? Well, that was, you know, that was back in. 2008 mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. nine or so. So it was a, it was a while ago. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It was a while ago, but you know, it was understanding there's a young group that were just into explosions. And, <laughs> uh, you know, Tim and Eric's awesome show. And then there's an older group of like stodgy uh, older dudes that were sad about the, uh, you know, sad about the uh, different uh, scents that were getting discontinued and uh-huh. they would go on forums and uh-huh. just complain. And, <laughs> And all these different people in between. And so we started to break them out into groups we called like the haters or, uh-huh. uh, you know, we had a group that we called um, the social spiders at that time. Interesting. Which they, Interesting. They're quick. They're as quick to love on a piece of Internet content as they are to hate on it. Oh, right? interesting. Uh, uh-huh. They kind of work together in packs, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but those were some of the early ones that led to a lot of that that online responses work and gotcha um, i was a, a co-architect of, of that original piece and from that we just kept building on it and building on it um I- you know, we we had nowhere near the level of data and, and insight we have now. Oh, interesting. But I think what's cool about that, Dean, is this idea that, you know, it's not you're not dreaming this persona up. This is a this is a really uh, kind of inductive approach to building up the persona. It's based on what you're observing in the data, right? Online in terms of behaviors, real things that real people are doing, as opposed to like sort of deductively trying to dream up you know, uh, from a top-down point of view, some persona that may or may not hit the mark, right? Well, and, and that's where the frustration started to come from, right? There's there's countless ways to segment mm-hmm. customers, and the, the larger companies do this. They have the capability in the house, and you create a target customer, then you define your growth segments and your revenue potential. All of that stuff is really built on the relationship to the category, you know, or the product or whatever you're trying to sell. And the most savvy insights people that we we run into start to say, yeah, but we really don't understand why. We don't we <laughs> yeah. really don't understand what motivates them. Yep. We know they buy in the category. They know they come back, but we don't know why they're buying. We don't know why they come back. Um, and so that's what we what we unlock with what we what we do is really kind of put a, uh, you know a flashlight on the blind spot to say we understand their interests, we understand their affinities. We know what tribes they run in, what brands mm-hmm. they prefer, who mm-hmm. influences them, the specific media to reach them down to the podcast level, mm-hmm. you know, maybe even this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. And when you get that level of context and you can prove that it's real people, mm-hmm. everything starts to, you know, all the conjecture and the hallway conversations and then do we get segmentation right and the creatives who are looking at you, you know, like, we don't believe any of this stuff. <laughs> they start to go, yeah, we all get it. Because these are real people you can actually show us. Very, very cool. Uh huh. Yeah, and that's the difference. Uh, and that wasn't available when all this stuff started, right? But it's available now. There's just not that many people using it to that level. And so what what are some of the, the very cool innovative things that are that you have seen, uh, Dean, companies doing like with very sophisticated kinds of approaches? And could you describe some of them? Well, I mean, all of this this data that we have now on on people and you and you just covered a lot of it right with um, <laughs> with all the things that Facebook has and, and Netflix and whatnot but these pools get created purchase segments and in-market segments attitudinal stuff mindset segments all of it's there but all of it is really built again to kind of disrupt our lives right they're, they're all going into programmatic media they're mm-hmm. all going into hyper targeted things mm-hmm. And we're getting fed a million things we looked at, but we really don't care about anymore. So that coffee table we looked at six months ago is, is still following us, even though <laughs> we bought a different one. That's um, right. That's right. But the using that level of data upstream to actually provide value to people, to figure out how people's lives uh, work, what worlds they're part of, and then inserting yourselves as a valuable role in their lives. Um, everyone's trying to get to that. Mm-hmm. But we're not built as marketers necessarily to think of things like that, right? Think of the data that way or think of our segmentation that way. And so some of this is just being a translator in the middle. Mm, um, interesting. And knowing what the business needs to solve, knowing what creatives need to go make, and having the ability to look at both of those things because we've been on both of those sides. Mm-hmm. Um, there just aren't a lot of folks that, that are doing that. Consultancies, 
claim to do the creative side. They're really good at the analytics side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Agencies claim to do the consultancy side. They're not great at the data side. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so that are there innovative things happening? Sure. Yeah, there are some disruptive things, but we haven't seen um, you know, this level of data and targeting being used for research or feeding campaigns or feeding creative elements. And, and so that's that's kind of what we're, we're trying to do. Mm, very interesting. Listeners, if you're just joining us, we are speaking with Dean Macbeth, who is co-founder and managing partner Shepard. Uh, we've been talking about sort of using data to uh, solve creative problems. Uh, Dean has a deep experience in all kinds of very cool uh, agency roles, uh, previously from Wyden Kennedy, Barton F. Graff, Ketchum, Crispin Porter, and Boguski, and now he has co-founded Shepard. When did you co-found Shepard, uh, Dean? Uh, we officially launched it almost, it's going to come up on two years. We, oh, nice. we as partners, have been really focusing on the business for a little over a year. Gotcha. Um, and gotcha. so we've got, you know, like all smaller firms, a variety of customers, big and small, but, you know, it's been it's been a fun ride so far. Um, and we're really, you know, getting getting some great, not only partners, but case studies that, that we can hopefully start to see in the world mm-hmm, as, mm-hmm. as we go forward. But some of them, some of them are out there now. Very, very cool. When you started Shepard, was part of the impetus, uh, Dean, this notion that, that you had mentioned earlier that, you know, that you, you see on the consulting strategist side, you know, very good at the analytics piece, but not good at the creative. On the creative side, very good at the creative piece, but not necessarily good at the analytics piece. You felt like, is that part of the, what of what Shepard does really well is kind of like that marriage of kind of the creative plus the kind of uh, data science uh, sort of components? Is that kind of how you see what Shepard is doing really well? Yeah, we, we start everything with audience. We start backwards, basically. Okay. And we start start with the audience first and what's really driving them uh-huh. um, and understanding them at, at, a, at a human level, right, down to the, down to the person. Mm-hmm. And then that when we unlock that, when we show that to a client, when we bring that to the table, it makes things like, you know, quote unquote, customer experience or mm. innovation or what we should focus on uh, or where we should point our resources, it gets really, really clear because you're seeing what how people are actually behaving and what they really want and want, want from you. Mm-hmm. And you're able to kind of point things that way versus the, you know, how we're kind of typically, you know, you've got your product, or your brand or whatever you're trying to sell. Uh-huh. You build the thing around it, you position it, you, you know, you do your two by two matrix, you always <laughs> put it in that upper right hand right, corner. Right. Um, you know, that's how we've always been taught to do it, but now we have less time and resources. Mm. People are changing, platforms are changing. Um, it's hard to keep a track of them, right? So mm-hmm. if we put a lens right over the top of people and we understand them, all of those other things start to get a lot easier. Interesting. Um, Interesting. And that uh, and so yeah, again it's that's that's our sweet spot, and we we just saw something that huh. on the agency side where you know there weren't a lot of people doing it, and we were always calling it shepherding anyway. <laughs> um, so it uh, it was kind of a natural thing. Natural thing. Wow, that's very very cool. Can you talk about some of the case studies? Uh, maybe at a appropriately, you know, uh, level where you if there's any confidentiality or aspects that you 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 know you can share with us, we'd love to hear about that. Well, we we um, you know we still do a lot of work. Um, you know, with other firms, you know, obviously they, they kind of bring us in as specialists when they need more context around things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have a lot of, you know, we're starting to get a lot more of our own clients. So you might have seen some of them out there in the world at Turnova um, turns 
uh, the ashes of your loved ones into diamonds. Um, oh. And so we kind of, you know, used our process, our right brain, left brain thinking to Interesting. help understand yeah. really how to position them out in the world. And you're starting to see a lot of traction, um, you know, in that space because there's just huge opportunity there. Interesting. Um, how, can you talk then, a little bit about the how the how the research, how you pulled out the insights that kind of like fed into you know, that, 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 that kind of aha moment that, that, that says, you know, this is how we're going to execute and activate this the right way in terms of the creative piece. Well, it's uh, probably a better example because they're so new that, you know, there's a, a limited layer of customers and we're, we're diving into, you know, who's actually converting with them and I'm mm-hmm. getting their interests, what they're into. And then we can kind of look at all the people that are similar. Um, and so we're kind of embarking on that study now, but Another one that's it's probably easier to look at is we're involved in an, with an esports team. Oh, okay, um, great. Tell tell and, t- just so just so that our listeners make sure we're all on the same page. Describe this esports because it's kind of a relatively <laughs> new thing, right? <laughs> right. I mean, competitive gaming. I guess is the alternative <laughs> term for it. But uh-huh. Really, it's it's teams that form up and they play a video game against each other, and millions of people are watching this. And, um, you know, I'm so I'm I'm just amazed by this, Dean, because it's like, <clears throat> yeah, I was reading some stuff about this kid Ninja. I think is his name. This kid, very popular kid, who basically puts Red Bull. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get. You know. People want to just watch people play video games and like learn and then compete, right? Is that the deal here? Esports. I'm, I mean, that is it. <laughs> uh-huh, I, mean, uh-huh. I think the, the Sports Business Journal has Overwatch League what, in like fifth or sixth place in the most valuable leagues now. Mm-hmm. Um, and these teams are, you know, have huge valuations because they have, you know, everyone wants a, a piece of this. Drake is bought into a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think called 100 Thieves. Jerry Jones is buying a team. Wow. So, so all of this. Um, it just seems to be the next wave. I mean, we've got some, something around 430 million people next year will be watching esports globally. Wow! Um, wow! And it and it's not necessarily you or I, right? It's, it's Gen Z who say <laughs> yes. It's know, definitely not me. Forty percent <laughs> say they're watching competitive gaming, and wow. that's what Twitch is basically. Right, on, right. Right. And so, right. Um, you know, it's it's very very fascinating, and because of the the ability to look at large quantities of data now where we were able to look at basically this team, every other team, all of the games that they play, mm-hmm. um, fans and followers of Twitch and the, the people that are following gaming influencers on, on YouTube even and break all that down in a massive amount of data and uh-huh. tabs and spreadsheets and basically <laughs> say, here's who you should focus on and here's what, what it would unlock. Wow. Um, and... And so those you know, are be- those are behavioral those are behavioral kinds of activities that you're observing as people play the games. How does this? What is the input for this? Well, it's uh, you know the the data set is really we have a partner out of New York, um, and they're also pioneers within looking at interest and affinity data. They developed PQ and sold it back in the day. Oh Remember, wow! You could Google your name, and it would tell you all the social networks you were part of. Yeah, yeah. Um, but being able to take that level of ability to look at and and put interests and affinities in a taxonomy and mm-hmm. then plug it in and say, uh, here were all the social profiles that we found and here are all the interests and affinities. And we were, I think they have around 70,000 attributes right now in their taxonomy. Wow. So we 70,000. 70,000. So it's like running a 70,000 question survey on, you know, millions of people. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you've got billions of data points to start with, but we're really trying to boil that down into a, a distinct insight. Mm-hmm that we can drive messaging or communications or whatever from. And 
um, that's something that we've we've also found data science folks or engineers or even analysts they're just not equipped to uh, look at it that way right so you, mm-hmm. you usually get a lot of reports and things that get spit out and they're really smart and everyone puts them on a shelf because no one really understands them interesting um, and so uh, with with our backgrounds on the creative side as well we can kind of get it down to that level and yes say, here's what it really means and here's how we would read right. a creative team to actually make something that's right and um, so there's an ability I love that that what you're describing there Dean because there is an ability there to to speak that language because a lot of times you know when you're making that divide from data science to creative you know, you have to get, it's a little bit of a political game. You got to get them excited about and bought into the premise and why it's important and why it's real and what and why what's under the hood is actually, you know, really good stuff, right? Well, I mean, people think um, we'll be data-driven and everybody has that language somewhere in there <laughs> in, some, <laughs> in some project they have, right? Right, right well, exactly. We're going to be cons- customer-centric yeah. and generate insight. Yes, yes. Um, Throw and away terms, they, but... They go, we're going to put data people and creative people, and it's going to ha- it's all going to be a happy marriage. It's not. <laughs> and, and, and what we found is that you have to actually be trilingual. It's not about being oh. bilingual. You have, to, you have to understand the language of the, the executives. Mm-hmm. That's a whole different language. Yes. You have to understand the language of the data people. Yes. Scientists, engineers, nice. the analysts. And then you have to understand the language of creative people. And they all speak different. Different, you know? yeah. So, um, and they probably the care about, they, they, let me ask you this, Dean, they probably care about different things, right? They're probably kind of maximizing across kind of different goals in some senses. I mean, like the, uh, yeah. do, is it true that the creative yeah. people like really, we just want to entertain. We want to, we want to create something that's beautiful and that's, you know, it's art. It's, it's, it's creative. It's, it's, it's something special. And the, the execs are like, we got to drive sales, right? And the data people is like, we got we got some really cool analytical techniques that we're using here that are really cool tools. And so is that part of this trilinguality, if you will, if that's a word uh, that you speak Absolutely. Of? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, we've had a chance in our past lives to work with a lot of consultants on various big clients. And, you know, the Bain consultant would come with their background and they'd have <laughs> huge, dense slides of all the charts and numbers and It'd be 80 pages long, and then we'd come in and we'd have a four-page deck that you know had like two, one sentence on them, and the CEO would be like, "Okay, I totally get that. Yeah, All right, I understand. We should go do that." And then be like, "How did you? How can I do? Wait, wait. Yes. What did you guys learn how to do this?" Mm-hmm. And uh, and and that's understanding that that CEO who's got five minutes in that meeting just needs the thing, right? And right. Not, and it's easier to add another page to the deck. It's hard to take one away. <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. And and the same thing on the creative side. They don't want, you know, I, I think they ask for all the background and the data and they want to understand it, but they want to understand it boiled down to just tell me what's true and what, what, what's really, what, what are people doing? Mm-hmm. And when you can actually answer that question, then you can have creative thought around it. But usually we come to them and we say, here's our target and it's called the progressive challenger and uh, you know they're into this and it has all the flowery language and you're like no one is like this because this is a proxy <laughs> right of a common denominator of 40 million people right um, and that's not what is helpful to actually make anything interesting um, interesting interesting and so you, and so you that, actually need more of that grant you need to like marry that granularity with reality but with but but still but what's interesting about personas is you know that lofty stuff people can kind of easily digest that but you need to give them something real and much more authentic that's based on kind of distilling those 77,000 questions into kind of the key ideas they're going to be most relevant to really executing on activating that creative right Dean 
Well, it, and that's exactly it. And then having that context and, and showing that it's actually a real person and being able to click down and say, no, it's this, it's Mary Smith. Mm-hmm. She's on, you know, Instagram and she's doing it this way. Everyone goes, oh, okay. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. But until we got to that level, which we just right now have, um, you know, it was, it was it, that, and that's why agencies exist was usually to translate, <laughs> translate the brief and the segmentation that you got to say, here's what it really means, create a team. Um, and they were able to do something with it. But it usually, you know, what we found out in our past lives was that we just kind of put that, we took the segmentation study, we put it on our desk, and then we did our own research. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. And so we're kind of skipping past go. We want to do both at the same time. Let's okay. give you really meaningful digital segmentation that everybody can use. Your product team, your marketing team, your innovation team, and the creative team. Very, very cool. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know we just didn't see a lot of people that that were doing that because again that trilinguality, if you will, <laughs> you know that's that's very hard to train for and find. Very, very cool stuff. Dean McBeth, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Excellent. Listeners, you can find more about Dean and Shepard at weshepherd.com. That's one word, W-E-S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at WeShepherd. Listeners, if you are enjoying this as a podcast, remember that our show Marketing Matters airs live on Sirius XM Channel 132 every Wednesday from 5 to 7 p.m. and is replayed Saturdays at midnight, Sundays 8 to 10 p.m. and Mondays 2 to 4 a.m. for all of you Mark Wahlberg early risers that are out there. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 